Dub Nation. Providing you with the practical tools and expert knowledge to optimize your strength, health, and mindset inside and out. With your host, Steve Katarzy. Today, we will be joined by Ed Jeffer. Ed is a UK fitness professional and an online coach and also a long-term acquaintance of mine. He's been in love with fitness in some way, shape or form since his early 20s in response to being deeply saddened by his confidence-destroying physique. Many of us have had those low moments too, you know, when we resolve to change, when enough is enough. And as an ongoing student of fitness and running fitness businesses over the last 10 years, Ed has transformed both his body and his confidence and as a result has built a successful PT and online coaching business. He's competed in physique competitions five times and is also an author of a fitness book called The Muscle and Hustle Method. If you're looking for clues on how to develop or progress your fitness business, curious on what motivates people to take massive action, and also to hear Ed's approach to getting busy entrepreneurs in shape, then this episode is absolutely worth a listen. I hope you enjoyed this episode, guys, and please feel free to reach out to myself or Ed on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or many of the other social platforms. Our links will be in the show notes. Enjoy. So Ed, welcome, man. Thank you. Good to be here. Um, I've been excited to have this conversation because I've known you for a really long time, but I haven't spent a lot of time with you, right? We've known each other, um, but we haven't been in each other's lives. And uh, you've developed a pretty interesting career in fitness over the last 10 years. So I thought the the listeners would like to hear your journey. Does that sound cool? Sounds awesome. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Right. So guys, so you know who we're speaking to. It's Ed Jaffa. That's cool. Yeah. Does that work? Yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah. Better <laughs> it's most spelled people quite funky. It. You'll see it in the show notes. <laughs> and Ed uh, has been in the fitness space for about 10 years. And he has developed a niche within fitness around coaching entrepreneurs, leveraging their kind of business acumen and applying it towards working out so they can get their bodies that they know that not only they're happy about, but in a self-fulfilling prof- prophecy, help their business even more. Um, you've also competed in bodybuilding shows over the last few years. And on top of that, um, you're one of very few fitness kind of coaches who put out a book. So we'll speak a little bit about your book as well. And the last thing to know about Ed is he's also kind of pivoted towards a style of working out that's very efficient, has a high return on investment, and is done typically in half an hour. Is that a fair assessment of who you are and what what you're up to at the minute, Ed? Yeah, that's definitely kind of the direction I'm moving in. Um, I enjoy working with entrepreneurs, driven guys, because I like to take what they're very good at, and I like to take that drive and repurpose it almost into an area that maybe they're not so good at looking after their health and their body. It's often an area that perhaps they neglect because they're so driven in the area of 
building their business, creating their empire. Has... I've, I've been there, man. I've yeah. been there. It's. I don't really believe that there is this thing of balance, right? I don't think balance really exists. I've said it on the podcast before. Like, if you're going to be great, if you're going to excel at something, you're going to have to accept that some things are going to drop, some balls are going to drop. Yeah. And quite often when people are going full tilt in developing a business or being great as an employee, earning money and developing their career, quite often you'll find that the idea of fitness or optimal nutrition just takes a bit of a back seat. And if you let that happen over a period of time, chronically, you can find yourself in a place like I did a few years down the road where you've got your, a body and a level of fitness that you're just really dissatisfied with. So that's kind of what you're latching onto, right? You're finding people that have been driven, but have let go of perhaps athleticism or fitness. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. When it comes to starting up a business, running, building and maintaining a business, you have to you have to give it your all, you have to go all in. And, you know, I've done that from, I've done that within my fitness, but at the same time, to improve your health and to lose a bit of weight and to get healthier, you know, my guys, they're not gonna step on stage in a bodybuilding contest, fitness modeling show. They just wanna be a bit healthier, they wanna perform better. And, you know, often when when, they, when they've let their health and fitness suffer, eventually it will kind of have an impact on their business because they're not performing at an optimal level. I, I agree. Yeah, it's you can't look at any of these one things in isolation, right? No. I know that when I'm, I get enough sleep, that I've had a good workout, that I'm eating well, that I'm not eating foods that are slowing me down, that my outlook in life is better, I'm more patient, I'm more 100%. caring typically, I'm more productive, I'm more creative, and that bleeds into your work. It, it crosses over into all yeah. areas of your life. And now just because these guys can't go all in with their fitness as if they're going to you know, train two hours a day, eat six meals a day every three hours out of Tupperwares, you, know, you don't have to do that to be a little bit healthier. I agree, man. So It's about know. being pragmatic, right? Exactly. Because it, it, I think about you know, my instinct when it comes to developing a new skill or getting involved in something is I, I can get quite obsessive. I get, you know, all in, read a load of stuff, want to know the optimal way out the gate. Yeah. And you know, there's optimal ways of developing muscle. Yeah. There's, you know, there's the, you know, you could follow the Sadiqs of the world or the Jeremy Buendias in terms of how to build a muscular body. But they're at the the far end of extreme optimization in building their body and yeah. is that necessary to do a proper bro split high volume train seven days a week eat every three hours if you're 40 pounds overweight and you haven't worked out for the last 10 years do you need to go to that level out the gate answer is no there's, right? a reason, there's a reason why those guys those guys are the pros it's their job um you know and no you don't need to step up to that level to because chances are you never your body you're never going to be you're never going to play at that level you know your strength is in your business and what you you know what you excel at what your passion is um and if your passion your passion might not be in fitness you might want to be a bit healthier and a bit fitter but that doesn't mean you have to go to the gym six days a week two hours a day eat six meals a day 
you could go to the gym three times a week. You don't even have to go to the gym. There's many ways, you know, I'm all about finding solutions to people's problems. And one of the problems a lot of my guys have is in the past when they were younger, in their 20s, they did go to the gym an hour, maybe an hour and a half, two hours a day. They did have a reasonably good physique. They did eat perhaps clean, clean meals, six meals a day. But now they've got family, they've got business to run. Mm -hmm. They can't do that. So my solution is, well, how, what can we do? Okay. So often they don't do nothing because they just think like, I can't, those days it's are behind me. It's either all in or nothing. All or nothing. Because I don't, I don't have an intermediate approach, which is a bit more pragmatic. Yeah. That fits into my current lifestyle. If I want to go to the gym, I'm going to have to go back to my old ways. And by the way, I don't have enough time. When am I going to go? Exactly. If I go, I'm not going to see my family. You know, if I'm going to go, it's going to have to be six days a week. I can understand that. I can exactly. relate to that. Before we get too dig deep into this, Ed, I would like to rewind just a little bit, if that's okay. Sure. So I gave that kind of high level, probably you know, fifty percent accurate view of your world. Why don't you just for the listeners, Ed, just give us your story a little bit? So let's start with why you got into the fitness industry and why you are a fitness professional today. What was the trigger? Ah, the trigger, yeah. Um, well, I say in my book, The Muscle and Hustle Method, it was when I come back from holiday. I think it was in 2001. Um, it's a boy's holiday to Falaraki. Um, nice. Was you there on that one? <laughs> I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, was when I come back and uh, it was back in the day before we had, uh, you know, um, cameras on our phones, so it was like, taken with a proper camera where you had to get the film processed when you get when you we got back yeah, you yeah. had to take the film to the chemist and there was a picture of me standing on the beach um which i don't know how it was taken by the way because i i would never take my t-shirt off back then i'd hardly take my t-shirt because i just didn't have the confidence in my body i hated the way i looked yeah and when i saw this picture i just saw myself standing there which is you know i've published this picture many I've times seen, i've seen the picture it, yeah, yeah. yeah my, got my belly out got my man boobs out um, I wasn't hugely overweight. Um, but you just, just didn't like what you saw. Didn't like what I saw. Yeah, and um, and that was kind of my that was my that that was my trigger. Didn't want to look like that anymore um, because it wasn't just about wasn't just looks for me. It was how does that affect the rest of my life? As I said, I wouldn't take my t-shirt off on holiday hardly. Um, holidays are all about letting your hair down, relaxing. Feeling good about yourself, and and I didn't. All I wanted a bit to do too was uptight. Was yeah, yeah I wanted yeah. to cover up. Um, didn't have confidence with with, with the girls, with the ladies, with the ladies. Um, so yeah, it just kind of held me back in many areas. And that confidence. How old was you then, Ed? I think I was twenty-one in that picture. Okay. So I wasn't super young, but I was, you know, I was young enough. Come come through my teens, and you know, I was at an age where I was out working. I, finished my studying and I was out in the world working um, <clears throat> and that lack of confidence just kind of filtered through into other areas of my life of my of my work I just settled for I just settled for whatever come my way really so mm -hmm. you know just got whatever job I could get once I finished college just kind of followed the footsteps of you know my parents my dad was an engineer so I kind of just didn't have any confidence or mind of my own to make my own decision i just kind of followed what 
my parents told me and you know as much as you know i love my parents their job was to keep me safe and within my comfort zone yeah um you know get a decent job and uh you know just stay comfortable stay safe but yeah reliable exactly yeah yeah and don't push the boat out just, exactly yeah. and while that made sense it was like i knew there was i knew there was more to life than mm -hmm. this and I, and I wanted to go and get it and that started with me working on myself changing my body becoming... so the, the the trigger for you was seeing your body being dis having a level, a level of dissatisfaction with your current um perhaps trajectory or the current position of your life and wanting to yeah. create some change and that started with what getting in the gym absolutely it started at home actually okay started at home working out um yeah i just wasn't happy with the person i wasn't happy with how i looked so that made me unhappy with the person i was the man i was becoming and yeah. the man i would become if i didn't raise my standards and do something about this okay so so you start you started working out at home started getting some results i guess yeah it was main, a bit of weight starting to see a bit of shape main thing was for me was my man boobs i hated them okay you know they they kind of come about through my teenage years as most boys do they go through those hormonal changes and mm -hmm. i had a flat chest and then once i went through puberty i just developed these ugly man boobs and <laughs> you know it was through my school years that that dropping confidence started to happen i was always a shy kid anyway but you know, once my body started changing for the worse and, you know, it Just made things awkward. Took its toll, right? In PE, I wouldn't want to take my t-shirt off to shower um, because none of the other boys had these man boobs. It mm. was just... No, I can understand, man. And, um, yeah. I, when, just a little side note, I, I wouldn't say I had classic kind of man boobs, but I did have the onset as as a as a youngster and i and i i attribute this to and i'm speculating i attribute this to a pretty poor diet one which probably led me down a kind of estrogen heavy or estrogen like diet yeah you know there's a lot of uh, products that kind of like elicit that estrogen response or receptors and as a result i got like puffy uh, nipples and like that there's just like there was a bit of weight around the nipples and it just yeah. looked a bit odd man like i'd wear jumpers and whilst i wouldn't have like boobs i would have like these like protruding nipples that just were looking odd man and i never knew what it was and i just thought it was a hereditary thing i got it for the rest of my life mm. turns out like once you start working out and you start recomposing and you start being a bit more masculine and building up your testosterone and taking some yeah. of the stuff out of your diet that stuff went away but I didn't know what I was doing. It just happened. And yeah. now I'm kind of retrospectively working that shit out, you know? Yeah, I was exactly the same. I didn't have a clue about nutrition. I just ate whatever was cooked for me at home. And like, I'd be out working. I'd just grab whatever I could, you know, fast food, yeah, bakery, get baguette, packet crisps, whatever. Just, just ate and didn't really think about it back then. It was only when I started studying nutrition um, because I wanted to do whatever I could. It was either start working out or i was even considering surgery at one point that's how oh, really I, yeah wow. that's how much i hated the way i looked do you remember when you had that penny dropping moment that you were going to take fitness to the next level and start studying it um i tried to avoid it to be honest because i know we was talking before recording this about that obsessive nature when you go all in you go all in and i'm very much the same i knew that 
if I do this, I'm going to end up going all in and I'm going to kind of lose balance in other areas of my life. Yeah. But, and I tried to almost avoid it because I didn't really want to lose the balance I had in my life. I wanted, I wanted to be able to, I have that misconception about fitness. I'm going to have to eat special food. I've got to eat a high protein diet, which you, you do, but there's nothing special about a fitness diet. It's just about eating good, normal food. I didn't realize that at the time. Yeah. So I was kind of trying to avoid it. I still wanted to have a packet of crisps every now and then. You wanted then, to be normal. Chop. I wanted to be normal, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I was trying to kind of hold off. And then it was like, then I just caught a bug and then that was it. I was, I just, di I did obsess over it. And my life was training. I did literally, I was training in the gym, like hour, hour and a half every day. Um, I was eating, preparing my meals, eating clean and living that lifestyle. And I got great results. Um, so I, I kind of followed that path that most of the guys I work with now follow. They, they go all in cause that's just in our nature. It's all or nothing. Right. And you've acquired both some results and knowledge to the point of like, okay, why don't I take this to the next level? See if I can monetize off this or if I can was, did, did you start your certification and your formal training as a means to just be better for you or was you thinking i'm going to do this because i want to get into the fitness industry at that point um it was kind of a mixture of the two i wanted to do it because i'd already by that point i'd already kind of learned loads about fitness and yeah. nutrition um but i really wanted to kind of become a master in that area so i thought the only way for me to do that is to study get some qualifications behind my name mm -hmm. um as, as a means to get into the industry or just yeah, so you could I, understand more for yourself? It was, as I said, it was a, a bit, bit of both. both. It was for me to kind of, you know, understand more for myself because I'd kind of taken every other, I'd read every fitness magazine going. I'd mm -hmm. watched Men's every health. video, Men's Health, Flex Magazine, <laughs> Muscle and Fitness. I'd read them all. And yeah. Was, yeah, they kind of, you know, you once you've read one, you've read them all after you've been reading them for a few years, they, they all pretty much say the same thing. So then I thought the next level would be for me to study. But obviously it was with the intention of, getting into the fitness industry as well because okay. you know i i loved what i was doing i enjoyed the transformation i achieved in my own body i started helping a few friends um they were getting great results as well so i thought why not why not make my passion okay uh you know my passion my line of work and at the at the time you was a like a, a i was a technical engineer yeah for a, for a different firm and you was moonlighting doing your training simultaneously yeah so i was studying while whilst working full-time as, okay. a, as a technician um and it was hard because it was hard to stay in shape because i was in the car all the time i was driving up and down the country mm. so that's where i have some of that experience about being on the go um just one of the things i talk about in the book and help my clients with is how to get results whilst being on the go because not everyone can you know i did at first i have taken the tupperwares with me and it's a hot summer's day and you're eating hot hot turkey that's just been warmed up by you by the windows of your car and, yeah you know, it's not great is it stomachache at the end of the day <laughs> yeah. so yeah I, thought, I sod this i need to find some other way of you know what can i grab from the local service station that's gonna get me the results that i want so i've become very resourceful with what i had around me yeah and th for that you need a level of resourcefulness and flexibility yeah. and Absolutely. pragmatism as well right you've got to be pragmatic you've got a job that you're in you're in the car five days of the week yeah yeah it's difficult man i know many people and i've been one of those who has a you know a job that's dominated by travel 
and it's difficult when yeah. you've got uh, ever-changing schedules that prevent you from being um, regular. Yeah, regular in terms of the time and day. Sorry, that yeah, the time and day you go to the gym and when you have your breakfast, when you have your lunch, yeah. home prepared. You know, you can't do those things when you're it's on the hard road. So you have people, to find you know? a way to be flexible whilst not just going, fuck it, throw in the towel and just do whatever because it's too hard. Exactly. No one's a robot at the end of the day. So we're all human. Um, I think there's a saying, is it Mike Tyson saying, everyone's everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. So, <laughs> yeah. It's like, True. you know, everyone can have good intentions of what they should do, but, you know, life has a funny habit of throwing things in your way and it's learning to, that will never change at the end of the day. So it's learning. So there's no point. Put, what people tend to do is they put it off because they think, well, I've got this coming up and I've got that coming up. I've got this holiday coming up. Yeah. Christmas is coming up. I'll start then. I'll start in the new year. Oh, I'm ill. Well, let's wait until I'm... Wait, I'm yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the thing is, there's never going to be a perfect time where you've got a clear run where you can dedicate so true, it. Man. So okay. true. So you may as well start now. And and it won't be perfect, but you got the ball rolling. Taking perfect action. Is, I think that's what's you know that's what's made me successful in fitness is i've taken perf imperfect action um it's what makes my entrepreneur clients successful at what they do because they've always taken imperfect action it's what makes you successful at what you do you've taken imperfect action you don't know what just result get, is going to come of it just but you're going to figure it out as you go along yeah and adjust and adapt so i can definitely see and hear that in 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 your voice and what i know of you is that you know, you're willing to take risk, you're willing to step up and move and fail and see where that failure takes you learn from it, develop, progress. Absolutely. So you would have done that moving into the fitness industry starting with your certification. Yeah. When do you have a time when this fitness stuff clicked, right? So you've taken the certification, you've embraced the idea, you're going to get into personal training. And you tell me, but I suspect the early days were you felt like a charlatan, didn't really know what you were doing, didn't feel that you were worthy necessarily. Yeah. Clients might not have been coming in their droves. But at some point, the job made sense. So at some point, the client started coming. At some point, yeah. you felt worthy of being a PT and commanding both the money and the time of people that you needed. Yeah. So you could sort your finances out and be happy with the direction of travel. Do you have that moment, that 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 singular moment or that period of time in your life when you went from charlatan and faking it to like, I know what I'm doing and this makes sense and I know how to make money out of this? Yeah, yeah. It's, very, it's a very vivid memory actually. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was, um, I think the turning point for me was, I mean, look, listen, I... I put a video out last week about this actually I was very I was very confident in what I did as a personal trainer I knew how to get results I knew everything I needed to know to to be able to get results but at the time I didn't know how to run a business so it doesn't matter how good you are as a as a coach as a trainer if you can't run a business you're not going to make a business from it you're not going to make mm -hmm. money from it um so for me it was I needed to know how to sell myself, market and sell myself and sell my services. And at the time I was kind of, I was still doing my full-time job as a technician. 
and doing a little bit of PT on the side. So I hadn't really yeah, taken that leap. Didn't go I was all kind in. of just dab exactly. Yeah. I was just kind of dabbling a little bit, um, playing it safe because yeah. you know I. But it was only when I read a book, and I think the book was called, I think it was literally called Selling Personal Training. Really? It was a little bit out of date, but okay. it just gave me some some ideas on how I can package and sell my services. And and it was when I read that book that it gave me the confidence to literally, within a week or two, I handed in my resignation. I was so confident in what I was going to do. I backed myself so much that I just, you know, cut the safety net. I don't need this job anymore. I'm going to go out, go all in and make it. And whatever happens, happens, you know. And did you feel the difference between, not just your internal difference, but did you feel the difference between the response that your clients were getting from you? Like, I, ref I, I re relate back to, you know, my career in, you know, tech, you know, tech startups. And I can recall moments when, I felt at least clients were listening, but even not paying full attention or thinking perhaps I don't really know what I'm doing to the moment when I command the room, when I walk through the door and like people leaning in, they're grateful the questions I ask. They feel that I'm a consultant, right? I really know what I'm talking about. I'm spending less time working out in my head. What do I need to say? And I'm focused more on how can I help you? Because I now understand my craft. Yeah. That I don't have to think about how I do my craft. I need to think about you, the client. Absolutely. Do you recall when your clients started responding to you differently, when this started making sense in your head? Exactly. I mean, there's a level of learning that we go through. I mean, like you said, when you're learning your craft, you're almost having to fake it until you make it. So you know what the right things to say. But unless you're, you know, there's a, there's a subconscious language going on between me as a trainer and a potential client. Yeah, there's like a level of learning where you're you're still in that learning phase. You're doing everything right, but you're not conveying it with such conviction, conviction and certainty. And yeah. It's only when you've mastered it where you're not having to think so much about. It's only when you've mastered it that it becomes part of who you are. Like fitness has become part of me now. It's not something I have to think about. It's just something that that happens for my entrepreneurs that run their business. At first, when they started, they had to learn what they were doing. Um, but it's only when it becomes part of you and it becomes a habit and it just happens is when that's when things start to happen. Mm. Especially PTs. Exactly, right? I mean, yeah. It doesn't matter whether you're buying a PT formally for a, a big brand gym or you're buying it you know, through a self-employed guy i mean the reality is you're buying into that individual and you're hopeful that individual is able to get you results exactly and it doesn't matter what their formal education is or what methodology they follow in terms of training on yeah. nutrition can that person encourage me and direct me and enable me to do what do i trust them do i believe them do i believe that they're gonna they've got my back yeah and for me that's certain when you feel that certainty from someone in any line of work, when it's like this person is confident of themselves, they're not arrogant, they're confident of themselves, the, the ego and uh, vulnerability is dropped and now they're just focused on me, not them. Yeah. That's what you feel that. Exactly. You feel that. And you know they're not, their head's not in their books trying to remember how to, you know, how to do a PT session. They're, they're, yeah. they're, they're focused on what I need. 
exactly. And when you get that, like I've had PTs that have got that. When they get that, like oh, you want them in your life. Yeah. You know, you want them to stay around. Yeah. Add value. You have good conversation. They they get to know you. Exactly. And it's that turning point. I mean, when you're learning, it's it's more focused on yourself because you're you're yeah. learning, right? And we all have to go through that. But it's when you've mastered it and you're not learning anymore. You're you can focus a hundred percent on the person's life you want to change and when you give them that people buy results at the end of the day and they want if you can well, show they're hoping them they're buying results right yeah people well this is what they're investing in they're investing in results and they're investing in they're putting their trust that you're the man to get them those results and when you show them with such conviction and confidence that you are that man that's when they put their trust in you and that's the sound over their credit cards that's the sale man so talk to me about um 12 years in oh, 10 12 years in this space or obviously before then you were training independently from the men's health magazines that you're reading back in the day like 15 years ago to today i'm guessing or i know the world has changed and i know there's been fads that have come and gone and more evidence-based research on how to train and how that elicits muscle growth and you know fat loss and so forth but as you think about your formal training as well as your just ad hoc reading what have been the changes in your mentality towards training like have you dropped certain recommendations or have you transformed how you think about coaching and guiding people to results based on your own journey and perhaps what's what you've heard and seen over the last few years in the fitness space? Absolutely. I mean, I've changed a lot over the years. Some of the things I, you know, would have preached about five years ago, are like, that's not to say it wasn't relevant at the time and not useful. It certainly was. But Give me an example of something where you like, you know, I, I wouldn't say that now. Like when I first, because I was competing on stage at the time, when I first got into PTM, that's what I would try and get all my clients to do. So, okay, this has worked for me. I've been able to eat six meals a day, train. Now, if you follow this, you're going to get the same results. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. If, if they do follow that, they are going to get awesome results. But what I, what I kind of missed is my clients are not me. They're not going to, they don't have the time to train for as long or as hard as I would. They're not competing because on Because fitness stage. isn't everything for them. Exactly. Right. I mean, and what I was kind of doing, I was giving them basically a science lesson. This is why we do this. This is how much protein, carbs, and fats you need to have. And, you know, nothing wrong with that. It wasn't like I was misinforming them. But at the end of the day, what I've learned now is all clients care about is getting the results. So I've had to drop a lot of, it's almost like, as PTs, it's like we just want to bamboozle our clients with all our knowledge and think, hey, look how great I am. I know all this stuff. That's not what clients are investing in. If they were, you know, they'd do a course themselves and become a PT themselves mm. if it was. Clients are investing in you getting them the results and making it as easy as possible. So often, as much knowledge as I have, you know, my clients will probably only get about 5%, 10% of that because they just, they don't need it. But that, but I wouldn't discourage uh, PTs or people in this space 
to be on this constant pursuit of knowledge acquisition because I believe you should be investing in the bleeding edge or the evidence-based or the new things within your space that helps perhaps change your opinion or balance your viewpoint or give you new tools to leverage, yeah. you know, catch up with where science is taken us yeah i think for you you've got to you've got to absorb everything the question is what do you offer out to give the give the right information at the right time based on the current knowledge and expectations of the person you're talking to yeah and going into as you say the detailed you know molecular processes in your body to a guy who's seen you for the first time who's you know 30 pounds overweight and just drinks too much beer yeah you're kind of going to lose them, right? Is, exactly. that, is that the point? Exactly right. I mean, you can't be telling someone like that to have 200 grams of protein a day, reduce your carbs a little bit to start tracking everything on my fitness pal. I mean, you could do. You could do, but yeah. chances are they're going to, they'll probably do it as well. If they're driven, they'll probably do it at first. But it's very unlikely that they're going to stick with that. So, you know, you just want to take the easiest possible step for someone like that. So someone who comes to me who's, not doing any exercise, heavily overweight, drinking five pints a night. The first thing I'd prescribe to him is just, just go out for a walk twice a week. Keep it as easy as possible. They want to make. How, it... how do people respond to that? Because they, they expect they should be working harder. And if you exactly. say, here's something really easy going, a small shift in your life for yeah. this week, do they go, yeah, well, that's a bit pointless. Give me, give me something more. Do they, do they not want more? Do they not want to be beaten up or... Do they not want to abstain because they think that's what they should do because you're giving them the small change? It depends on the person. I mean, often, you know, I like to check in with my clients weekly, so I'll have them on a call with me every week. So, you know, I just, I'll just give them the simplest. They'll often want to run away and do more. It's yeah. like, well, what about this? What about that? And I'm like, I have to tell them to slow down sometimes. Okay, because chances are they've tried all that in the past. They wouldn't be coming to me if like what they tried in the past had, had worked. So obviously they've tried all that before. They've tried going on a diet. They've tried going to the gym. You know, let's try and really simplify this now in a way that you can't fail again. So let's keep it super simple. Do this. Let's check in. Okay, what's your weight? Yeah, like, oh, head, I've dropped three pounds in my first week. Okay, what did you do? Well, I only went for those two walks you told me to go on. <laughs> awesome. Okay, what can we do this week then? So then we bring in the next step. How many beers are you drinking a night? I'm having about five, five, five pints a night. I'm exaggerating here, but maybe some yeah. people are having five <laughs> pints a night. But okay, cool. Well, what if we reduce that to they're thinking they're probably thinking, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut out the drinking this week. Again, I have to slow them down because they've probably done that before. They've probably done dry January and then hit the booze again in February. Yeah. I'm like, don't cut out a beer. Why do you drink beer? I have, you know, I have a lot of client meetings and my, my, my work involves me drinking a lot and being out a lot and social. Okay, cool. Well, we can't really, you know, we can't really change that, but how can we make it work in your favor? Do you have to have five pints? What if you have three pints and you have a glass of water in between? So we're not cutting out alcohol and things they like. We're just making it work in their favor keeping it super simple okay and they've shaved off those two beers plus they're doing their two walks so now we've like had two action steps have taken and they drop another two or three pounds so we just take baby steps that work for them okay. every client's different of course okay yes yeah, so some people are perhaps 
ready sooner to get more into the detail of yeah, yeah. training nutrition but but it's the process you, you want to find people where they're at exactly exactly so is it right in saying that you've you've matured to become more patient perhaps more pragmatic in terms of how to get started and it sounds like you've you've taken a lot of the complexity out of what optimal training and nutrition looks like and you said i'm not going to aim for optimal week one week two maybe even week three yeah it's a journey towards optimal if you want to get there absolutely there's difference between training a client and coaching a client i do a lot more coaching now where um you know coaching coaching is where the real transformation has because it puts the client in the driving seat okay it gets them to find the solutions because we all have the answers they know what they need to be doing but it's just holding them accountable and making that process as simple as possible for them i could just train them and you know get them in the gym and, and beat them up for half an hour um and it will get them great results but are they gonna are they gonna are they going to sustain that for the rest of the rest of their lives? Mm. Whereas if I work on building simple habits, habits that are going to last them for the rest of their lives, you know, they're not going through a process where they're following my workout plan for 12 weeks and they're following my a diet plan for 12 weeks. And then at the end of that 12 weeks, they just go back to their old habits. We're going through a process of transformation where we build simple, easy habits that fit in with their lifestyle. And by doing that, they're gonna they're gonna be in a much better place to to maintain and build upon that for the rest of their lives okay okay that makes sense so it's really building blocks of starting with found the foundations of neat starting with the foundations of uh portion control yeah and then off the those two foundational blocks you then start introducing other aspects of sleep or you know exercise but in a in a light way and you're kind of ramping up I, I, i'm almost seeing the analogy of throw a frog into a boiling water and it jumps straight back out put you know slowly raise the temperature on on a frog in cold water and it will, it will boil itself to death because it doesn't realize the temperature change because it's been gradual mm. uh, and not sudden and I suspect that's kind of your approach is like, I'm not going to shock you into weight loss. I'm going to gradually increase the temperature yeah. in a way which almost feels like nothing's changed. Absolutely. You want to make it, as I say, you, you know, people are busy. They don't want to, they, they already perceive fitness as something that is perhaps a chore for them and added stress going to require time that they don't have it's a tax exactly it's, it's just, always something negative on exactly. top of your life how can you convert into something that's positive so my job is to exactly make it something that's positive by making it something easy um making it almost harder not to to do it mm. so i want to make it easy i want to make it enjoyable and i want to make it a habit by making it easy and enjoyable it's more likely to be a habit by getting them in the gym for an hour a day putting them through their paces and making them putting them on a diet it might get results for a, basically it's a quick fix it might get great results but it's not gonna it's not gonna build a lasting transformation mm. i would rather work with a client you know and get to the root of the problem so what i'll do with my clients is i'll get them on a coaching call 
So it might not necessarily be in the gym training them. I will get them on a coaching session where we have a one-to-one -one conversation. We dig deep, find out what is where is the problem coming from. Yes, okay, you're overweight, but what's causing you to be overweight? Okay, is it lack of time? Is it, you know, is it there an emotional connection to eating too much food? It's finding out what's, you know, what is that trigger point that has caused them to be overweight? And when I get to the, to the root of the problem, which you can't do, you, you often can't do if you're training them in the gym because mm. you're not going to have that kind of conversation with them. But on a coaching call, I can dig a lot deeper. I can peel back the layers. You can build a much stronger rapport and connection and trust where they open up. And when you, when you go to that place and you find the source of the problem, you can fix the problem and you can fix the problem forever. Yeah. Oh, you find the motivation, right? If the yeah. motivation is too superficial, i.e. I've got four weeks until my my holiday mm -hmm. or I've got a dress I need to fit into. Yeah. Um, that's superficial. And whilst that might drive action in the short term, what you're trying to find is where where's that sustainable why yeah. that will get you keep trying when it's you know, it's freezing cold outside yeah. and it's dark and you'd rather just sit at home and be comfortable and put the telly on. Yeah. If you're why strong enough, you're going to go out and do what you need to go do. And you can only find that why when you dig deep enough. Absolutely. And yeah. a lot of, you know, a lot of clients don't actually know what that why is. You know, often it is a superficial, nothing, nothing There's superficial. There's nothing wrong with, nothing wrong with losing that. 10 pounds because I just know I'm going to look better and exactly. I want to fit into X. But Someone. is that is that a sustainable why that will stop you going back plus 10 pounds or plus 15 pounds once you've, you've had the holiday? You've got to meet people where they're at. So yeah, the, the, the initial goal might be to you know, get in shape for a holiday, okay? But then, yeah, you've got to look beyond that. Why are you not in the shape? Why are you not in that shape already? What's causing you to, you know, make the choices you, you make with the food you eat? What's causing you to not exercise like you should be doing? You know, and it's my job to find solutions to those causes, whether it be lack of time, whether it be, you know, other commitments, um, whether it be something more might be lack of knowledge be, lack, of lack of skill knowledge. in the kitchen often it's not lack of knowledge though often it isn't well, I, find I think people know what they should do but they might not know how to do it you don't need to have do you know what i mean exactly like you, people might not know how to you know they might have four go-to cooked meals they have at home plus yeah. a combination of pre-made stuff they get from tesco's or what have you yeah but unless you upskill the how like how can you eat healthy sustainably within a calorie budget and here's 15 different options that you can make yeah that all are made within 20 minutes unless you can give them the how and yeah. the, the requisite knowledge they might know okay fruits and vegetable vegetables are healthy not having a massive plate is healthier yeah. but they won't have the necessary skills to take them there on a consistent basis and they fall back in their old patterns exactly. is that not fair yeah exactly like i wouldn't just call it skills as you said most people know most people know the difference between eating healthy and eating junk food. What's the habit? Why do you have that habit that's causing you to choose this instead of this? Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's more about habits. So that's where I kind of step in and, tr and try and find a solution and how can we change that habit? Okay. Because unless you change that habit, they will always revert. We're like computer programs. We'll always revert back to our software that's running us. We can run another program, but... You know, we'll always go back to back to default unless you change the the software completely. Yeah, that makes sense, man. I want to I want to um, 
dovetail a little bit into uh, the training aspect of your your coaching when you get to it. Yeah. So when you do start getting people moving beyond neat and you know fixed a few of the you know the basics, you're going to get them training, doing some kind of fitness regime to accelerate fat loss and you know increase confidence and just generally feel better about their body and the way their body moves. I know that you have kind of centered in on um, these 30-minute workouts. You describe it in your book. Talk to me a little bit about it, the genesis of of that. Like, Why did you move towards uh, low rest, um, high heart rate, 30-minute type workouts? What, what was the genesis of that idea? And talk to me a little bit about what the exercise program looks like what does that 30 minute workout look like um yeah it all started really when i was when i was even when i started pt in i started doing the typical one hour sessions but then i found that i could have a more effective workout and a more effective session with a client if i if i kind of combine that into 30 minutes okay and i found people would you know people would like you know, if you can get the same results, if not better in less time, would you take that option? Most people, most people said, yeah, we can do it. In so what wasn't working before when you was, when you didn't, when you didn't like lean in on this 30 minute style training, why was it not working? Or why did you not think it was as effective? I don't think it wasn't working as such. It was just, I just found it, it was for me personally, it was more enjoyable to train someone in half an hour. Um, and it was more enjoyable for the client as well because it's just there's more of a there's more intensity. You feel like you're doing something. Mm -hmm. I'd see people walking around my gym like they'd be training for like two hours, and then they'd be they'd been there for years. <laughs> Nothing was changing about yeah, them. Yeah, and yeah. And I'd get them. I'd get them even for like ten minutes, and I'd put them through their paces, and it's like they feel like they'd done more in that ten minutes than they did in like the five years that two hours a day that they'd be they'd been doing previous to that mm. and they were hurting the next day just from that 10 minutes so yeah that's kind of where it all come from really i enjoyed that style of training that's how i trained myself um sure i started off training like most people putting in the time but then when i realized well actually i'm, get, I'm getting a bit busy now and yeah i don't really want to you know as much as i love training i haven't really got the time to I'm working a few more clients now, so it's like I really got. You got to, to squeeze your yeah, your slot in exactly. between so your schedule. Like, how can I make this effective in, okay. in less time? So I started, uh, you know, making so my all my workouts since then. You know, I train like no more than about thirty to forty minutes now. Okay. Um, What's the primary goal behind these thirty-minute workouts? Is it primarily fat loss or kind of uh, weight management, or is it muscle growth or? A combination of the two it's a combination of the two i always tell the clients that i put through so if a client comes to me um for training in the gym i'd always put them through like a combination of the two so we're doing strength exercises mm -hmm. you know your typical stuff your squats your, your pressing movements your rows but we're intermixing it with some cardio as well so right. rather than going to the gym most people go to the gym now they, they might do a bit of weights for half an hour you know just kind of walking around the machines and then i'll go and spend like 45 minutes on on a treadmill mm. so rather than just you know having an unproductive workout why don't we just combine all of that into 
an intense 30 minute workout. So I'd be doing, you know, rather than just sitting there going through the motions, I'd get them doing some squats and then I'd superset that with something else. So maybe, maybe some lunges straight after and then give them a little rest. Depends on the client, but then maybe they'll have a little rest and then we'll go into something else, some other kind of superset. So I might do like a, a compound movement, some kind of strength exercise and follow that up with a, some kind of high intensity cardio movement like, I don't know, running on the spot or some burpees or some squat thrusts, something like that. Um, or even like a high intensity compound movement like, like a clean and press, something like that. I like to use exercises that, that use more than one muscle group. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, you're getting a lot done in a small amount of time. You get more bang for your buck with the exercises. So I like to use a lot of a lot of compound movements, a lot of high intensity movements. Um, use a lot of supersets, drop sets. And that's really, it's efficiency. Absolutely, Would you say it's yeah. a, compound movements are efficient in, the, in, a, in as much that they use lots of your body all at the same time? Yeah. They burn more calories per unit of time. And supersetting is really, it's more about efficiency than it is any other advantage you get, right? Supersetting isn't known to be more beneficial for muscular development than just doing sets singularly. Uh, but it speeds up your workout. Exactly. I think predominantly it's about speed. So if you can merge exercises where you're using antagonistic muscle pairs, so you're resting one muscle and you're working another, yeah. you can cram your workout into a short period of time. Yeah, that's true. But even doing a superset... On the same muscles. Yeah, it can... Um, because there's more of a demand on the central nervous system. So this can really, in terms of muscle growth, it can release some more growth hormone into the body because your body is under a little bit more. There's more volume, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And these these uh, 30 minute workouts, I could see them being work, working great for people that are seeing you first thing in the morning before going to work. You know, instead of getting there with like a two hour slot before they get into work, they can get there with an hour slot before work. Yeah, get in there, do the half an hour, shower up, get into work. Yeah, yeah, and that that becomes more pragmatically achievable versus meet me at six, <laughs> and I, I I completely get that. Or you're working after work, and you know you've got family and yeah. kids and stuff like that. You're going to devote two hours away from seeing your kids, so you can't see them that evening. Or you're going to slot a thirty minute with me, so I can get you back home, yeah. having dinner and spending some time with the kids before they go to bed. It, it makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. But it's a bit of give and take, right? So you're you're giving speed and efficiency and time back. But what you're taking in some part is perhaps a a focused, deliberate hypertrophy session, for example. Is that fair? I mean, like, for example, my workouts are very CNS demanding, but they're long rest periods and it's, it's classic strength training most of my stuff is four to six, but I'll do some other rep ranging as, as well. But my goal is primarily muscle development. And I need to recruit as much muscle development as, as I can muster. And therefore, my training is centered around that. The fat loss piece just comes through me managing my diet. Yeah. Right? And knowing how many calories I burn in any given session, I just manage my, my calories that way. Yeah. But would you would you agree that that's the give and take with your style of workout? Is that you know we're going to centre on maximum efficiency, maximum calorie burn, weight management or weight composition, but it's less focused on if you really want to 
you know, blow up your body from a hypertrophy perspective? Not necessarily, because in order for the muscle to grow, you have to push it to failure, push it beyond failure. So there's nothing stopping my clients doing that in a half an hour workout. That's what causes the muscle to grow is when you, you break down the fibers. Volume. You, You're you, referring to volume, but also strength, right? I mean, strength. you yeah, do I mean, need strength to develop, grow muscles as well, right? Not just lots of reps. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. You can, You're not going to get massive, like lifting 4K dumbbells all day long. No. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I completely, volume is key, right? Volume is everything about progressive overload. But at some point in time, you need to put some external load on you, right? Exactly, yeah. But if you want to become a bodybuilder, then sure, you need to put in, it needs to almost become like your full-time job. You do need to put in that time in the gym. That's fair. It's a lot of time. You do need to put in the time into the meals. You do need to make sure your, your eating is on point, your calories are on point, and you're being consistent with that. Most of the guys I work with are not really looking for that that result sure they want to drop some body fat they probably would want to put more muscle on but are they willing to do what it takes but there's to nothing yeah size up that kind of training will tone them up and put on some more muscle um but it's not going to make them look like bodybuilders no no that's fair and but they know that they know yeah. that training the way you're prescribing yeah is gonna you know lose some body weight you're gonna look good feel good you're gonna see some muscularity you're gonna tone up uh but hey if you want to get jacked like there's a different style of training exactly, we're going to have yeah. to sign up to. That's when you do need to go all in. Okay. You know, okay. That's, as long as clients know that. I mean, like, Absolutely, yeah. If you're wanting to be the next Tom Coleman <laughs> yeah. or, you know, the next Ulysses, right? we've got a different program. <laughs> exactly. These guys, they yeah. live their life by yeah. their training. Most of, you know, someone comes to me with that goal in mind. Yeah, it's my job to do make you, do you work with people that would you work with people that have a say have a completely average maybe you know bit of an overweight body and they say i want to look like this uh you know front page model would you how would you coach that it depends if they if they understand what is what is realistic and or not often you know a lot of these guys you see on social media in the magazines they're very they're very um, genetically gifted as well. Um, so it's my job well, to they might be, have some external help. Exactly. Yeah. So it's my job to make my prospects aware of that. Um, mm -hmm. And as long as they have a, an understanding. I always, I, you know, I never promise what I can't deliver. I never, you know, I never guarantee any results. It's up to you. You're going to get what you, you put into this. Yeah. Um, I always tell my guys, I can't wave a magic wand. You, you know, it's the ownership is on you to take responsibility for this. I can give you all the tools you need. I can give you the accountability you need. But at the end of the day, you're the one who's got to do the work. So it's not that I wouldn't work with someone who wants to achieve that goal. I would make them aware of what's realistic to them and to their body type. Um, and, and just making sure they are happy with the expectations we, we set. If they're not, it's like no. I want to look like, I want to look like Ulysses. Like you know, if, if there's no chance of them looking like Ulysses, I, I will. You tell them. I tell them. Say, oh, I'm okay. If you've got ten you. years, <laughs> yeah. you've got ten years, and you're willing to do this rigid plan, then let's go for it. Yeah. But 
have you got 10 years and you're willing to do that are you willing to make that your life for the most part you know training six days a week two hours a session like i'm not saying that's exactly what you need to develop a body like that i, I train at with less frequency than that um i train hour hour and a half a day um four days a week i'm getting results i'm eating well but i am i've got a time to do that exactly. and i want to do that and my goals are specific around you know muscle development you know i've already dealt with the 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 fat loss piece for the most part i can manage my weight up and down now relatively easily because i've got the tools to do that yeah and now my my goals have advanced from fat loss to hey let's 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 see what we can build um but i'm committed to that and i understand it's a process not a destination and i'm probably never going to get to a perfect physique but i'm happy to crack on for years and see how it changes and improves and be happy in the moment as well absolutely but you, you probably need to deal with the big rocks first, which is, hey, if you've got fat on your frame, let's get that off first so we can see what's there. Yeah, that's a big problem. You, you hit the nail on the head there, dealing with the big rocks. Often people, they read too much. They get overwhelmed with the information that's out there and they miss, often we miss what's... The basics. The basics, yeah, yeah. exactly, which is you've got a belly, you need to be in a calorie deficit and they're, they're way ahead looking at what supplements can I take, um, do I need shakes? Do I need to be doing this exercise for my stomach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like slow down a little bit. You've gone way off. And that's that's not the fault of um, you know the average you know the average population. It's it's really the fault of the industry. The industry is has, has just got so many individuals trying to make money. So, so many people trying to you know sell snake oil or <laughs> give you the next best thing. You know, there's I've got a mate who said. Oh, Steve, um, I know this guy, he's lost loads of weight. He's got like a nice set of abs and he's got this one app and he just follows this app and it's just got ab workouts every day. And that's it. So I've just mm. downloaded this app and I'm going to get abs. I'm like, mate, you've got 30 pounds to lose. You can do as many, you know, sit-ups as you want. The reality is you don't even have to do any sit-ups for the next three months. Let's just get you eating less food and let's deal with your demons of, too much bread and and loads of sugary drinks let's knock that off you know on the head yeah and get you managing your relationship with food better i'm going to get you there quicker than you just following this uh 20 minute ab exercise regime every day for seven days a week absolutely there's you know? so much you know there's so much information out there there's so much noise uh, it confuses people and it's like you know that's not to say the information isn't right or accurate and it's not to say that you won't get results but is that what you need right now exactly and that will that maximize your results yeah, yeah most people you know most people overlook the basics and most people come to me sure you know most people invest in me and my services is because you know i, I take what's going to work for them and make it a habit that they can stick with for the rest of their life if it was for information you know you can go on and get information anyway now you go on google mm -hmm. youtube you can find any workout you want you can find any diet nutrition plan you want people don't come to you know us as fit pros to give them that because they can get it for free you know and i often you know they're looking for you to demystify exactly the huge amounts of information and give them just the right information they need to get results exactly i don't need to be a walking encyclopedia i just need to know the five ten things that are going to make the biggest difference what are they yeah ed walk me through it and I want results week in, week out. Can you give that to me? Exactly. And that's where, as you know, as coaches, that's how we simplify our clients' lives. We we take 
you know, a piece of that information that's going to be most relevant to them. Get them to implement it, get them to implement it consistently until they're getting results. Rather than, you know, they try it for one week, it hasn't worked, then they're looking for the next big thing. So much information, people are just, that's all people are looking for is, okay, I've tried that for a little bit. Yeah. It kind of worked, then I stopped and I went back to my old habits. What can I do next? It's a confu- It's a confusing space to self-navigate, isn't it? Just because of the abundance of information and the conflicting information and how information is typically driven through someone else's ulterior motive because they want you to buy their thing. Hmm. I want you to buy my arm blaster. Let me tell you how good arm blasters are. You know, yeah. You know, let's you know buy this newfangled electric pad you put on your abs, and it's going to make the world a difference to you. That's all you yeah. need to do, because they don't want to tell you about all the other things you need to do, because they're not selling a product in that space. And that is when it just becomes just this maze of information. And you know, how much creatine should I have? Should I load and deload? You know, should I have BCAAs? Should I have whey protein? Whey protein is whey protein going to make me bigger in its own right? Or no, you know, it's it's worth fuck all unless yeah. you're training. If you're not training, you don't need it, right? There's there's so much, so much confusion, and that's not the fault of the consumer. It's just the fact that you know, fitness is confusing, and it's been made confusing by just unlimited information, all of which has got its own ulterior motive, yeah, and some of which is conflicting. It's a massive industry out there. I mean, you look at every diet going keto intermittent fasting paleo vegan diet vegan diet whatever you want to call them every single one of them have one thing in common calorie deficit doesn't matter what fancy name you give it or how you sell it and brand it and package it you know if you just get yourself in a calorie diet you know i did a thing like um on my social media i think it was about a year or so ago um it's a fast food diet now i don't um you know i don't preach about eating rubbish but you know if you wanted to eat rubbish and you was in a calorie deficit even if you're eating rubbish you're going to lose weight so i put together like a fast food diet plan just for just for fun and it was my aim was to make it under 2000 calories i had food from you know mcdonald's subway coffee shops just whatever you could get on the high street just fast food i kept it under 2000 calories um that's not to say someone requires 2000 calories to drop weight but you know for someone who, you know, requires 2,500 calories a day, if they were in a, a deficit of 200 and following, oh, sorry, a deficit of 500 and was on a 2,000 calorie diet, it doesn't necessarily matter where those calories come in from. Even if it comes from fast food and you're in a deficit, you're going to lose body fat. So people get, you know, obsessed with eating healthy. doesn't matter whether you're eating healthy. If you're eating too much healthy food, you're gonna you're gonna be overweight. I agree. I agree. And and this again is where it can start getting confusing because there is eating for weight management and then there's eating for optimal health and wellness. And quite often we think they're both the same thing. And they're not necessarily like you can do an IIFYM diet if it fits your macros, just care about your calories and your protein and fuck the source, whether the quality or, you know, whether it's been grass fed or corn fed or whether it's, you know, M&Ms or, you know, it doesn't matter. The fact is, if you're working towards a calorie budget and it's below your maintenance, you're going to lose weight. 
But that is not to be confused with optimal wellness, right? If you want to be thriving, feeling alive, not being slowed down by food, making sure you're not uh, fueling uh, disease or potential inflammation or autoimmune conditions, that's a different exam question. The exam question is nutrient density and not having inflammatory foods. You can lose weight on diets like that, but let me understand what you want to do. If you want to do that, it's going to be a little bit more difficult because we're going to now have to say there's certain foods you shouldn't have often and there's other foods which you should have often because they're nutrient dense. Mm. But we'll put you in a calorie deficit and we'll lose weight. Yeah. But that sounds confusing. Just me saying it sounds confusing, right? But I, want, I just want to make that point clear that, you know, I don't advocate just stick to a calorie budget because my mess, you know, my focus is helping people thrive. Yeah. Right. I want you to lose weight, gain weight, do whatever you want with what your body goals are. But I also want you to feel great. Yeah. And I know that you will not have that level of vitality if you're eating shit, even if you're eating less shit than your body needs. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but let's not confuse it. If you just want to lose weight, you can eat shit and lose weight and you feel good that you've lost weight, but you won't necessarily be like alive every yeah. minute of the day knowing your body's just having exactly what it needs from a nutrition standpoint. Absolutely. You could be in a calorie deficit and lose weight. you just eating pizza all day, every day if you wanted, but you're not going to be particularly energized and healthy from yeah. that. But um, that's not taking it away, right? Your point is completely valid and not to be mistaken yeah. or confused with I'm eating to give my body what it needs so I feel alive and yeah. energized. So, but so where, where do you sit on that balance? Like, Would you rather someone just be in a calorie deficit so they can lose weight versus try and clean up some, you know, some foods that perhaps are probably antagonizing some of their symptoms or causing inflammation or, or just probably slowing them down a bit? Do you try and deal with those kind of rocks too? Or do you think, do you know what, that's for another time. Let's just get you losing weight first. The first, the first thing is just get him losing weight. So I just want him to be in a calorie deficit. So the easiest way to do that is to whatever they're currently eating, have just less get of it. Them have a little bit less of it. Yeah. I don't try and change anything too dramatic within those first couple of weeks. Um, but where I do use it to my advantage is I don't put any of my clients on a diet. Um, but what I will do is, yeah, getting, getting them to eat a little bit cleaner, a little bit healthier, but still allowing those treats. Yeah, as I said to you right. earlier, if they want to have a beer, you know, have a beer. That doesn't mean you've got to have five beers every night. If you want to have a pizza at the weekend, have a pizza. I do. I'm human, like you. Like you, you know. We hey, all... I have chocolate every single night, there you go. and no one could tell me not to do that. <laughs> exactly. I found a way to make that work. Chocolate's my biggest vice. You know as what? Well. Dark chocolate. Now I've gone to eighty-five percent, and I love it. But you know what? I think just you know, diet's not in the fad sense of I'm on a diet. But diet in terms of the food that you choose to eat as a lifestyle, I think is a spectrum. Yeah. And it's not one, I don't, I don't think people should strive to go from eating a really shit diet to a perfectly both flexible and clean and wholesome diet in one straight move. It is a spectrum. Yeah. And I think you're right. You know, you start off by portion size reduction. Then you start by thinking about overall calorie management. You think about proteins so you know that can fuel yeah. you know cellular turnover and muscle development and then you start introducing 
more nutrient densities and now you can start to yeah. you know, get the most out of your food and actually maybe we drop this one particular food type out of your diet because that's probably not good for you but you've got to walk people through that path i know i walked that path slowly yeah. and i got to a point now where i fully embrace food for its flavor taste experience as well as nutrition nutrition and vitality and energy but it took me time to yeah. enjoy food like that absolutely Do you know what i'm saying yeah and it's it is you know it's again it's about building those habits and you know food is for enjoying i've been you know i've competed on stage where i've just been eating turkey and asparagus every three hours that's not particularly healthy either it doesn't sound exciting <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what i mean it's not particularly healthy or, or, or balanced either but i've been from you know from when i was a kid eating fast food pretty much every day chocolate crisps and whatever i could get hold of to the other extreme where i'm about to i'm a day out from a competition and I'm, on, I'm just eating turkey and asparagus and not drinking very much water so i mm -hmm. lean on stage you know i might look great but i feel like absolute crap yeah um and i can't wait to get you know a burger down me you know you'll be on stage you know and you'll be backstage and there's all these hot bikini models around you ready to compete all looking in great shape you're not interested in any of that when you're on stage <laughs> all you're interested I in need is just food. i need to eat <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's like I can yeah, imagine. So that's man. like it, it psychologically. It, it's not not particularly. Yeah. Uh, do you so know I've been, what? I've been at both ends of the spectrum. Do you know what, Ed? I don't think I could. Um, I'm generally really interested in people that have been able to um, persevere with a level of discipline, discipline and stoicism to get their body shredded for competitions. I, I admire the uh, the mental state necessary to abstain and work for a very particular scientific approach to eating. I think, mean, you know, you know, the kudos to those people that can do that. Kudos to those people that can do that for many, many shows as well. But I know I couldn't. Whilst I could, my love for food is so strong. I think it's probably like it's the thing that drives me more than anything in life, right? I love everything about food i'm a greek like i've, I've been born born and raised with food being so hey man, dominant in my life we're both cypriot man you know is that bread and meat everywhere and i just it just know. it makes me happy so the idea that i'm going to go 16 weeks without the things that make me happy or at the levels that i would like to have them like i just go you know what for for a day where I look amazing and then I eat food and I put four pounds on in water retention and yeah, stuff like yeah. that a day after I'm like that for me, that fleeting moment of having a body of perfection for a day, two or three, whilst I've undergone 16 weeks of abstaining from the relationship with food I would otherwise like to have. I'm like, you know what, for me, I don't, I don't want to do it. Could I do it? Maybe, but I just, I don't think I'd be happy. Yeah. And, and, and you're not particularly happy, but there's something, You've you've done it right. So you you've gone through that journey. Again, it's just finding what drives you to to that level. You know, it could be something like from my childhood, from when I was. You know, it could be that photo when I looked at myself and I was unhappy. It all comes from that. It all comes from for me. You know, from being a, the quietest kid in school and being picked on, being laughed at, going from that to being the very best I could be. And That's as great. much as I love food. That was a stronger love, drive. I do love food, but yeah, that 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 drive to be the best on that day in the one percent, yeah, was enough to keep me going. 
but you um, don't compete anymore. So at some point you've like you've got a t-shirt and it's done. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? Or yeah. do you still kind of get lured into wanting to get back so, into yeah, that? We, we, do you know what? The drive is still I don't don't know if that's completely true. The drive is still there to be in that one percent. But whether that is stepping on stage again, I don't know. Because at the same time, as much as I enjoyed it, I just feel you're stepping on stage. You are your own competition at the end of the day. And to step on stage for someone else to judge what you've done. It's very subjective, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. So, And, and it can be quite, um, you know, the judges aren't always, you know, that, you know, pure and true to the... Yeah. to the process right they're, they're, it could be quite corrupt at times right if yeah. someone's got a good following and stuff you know they're, they're probably going to get a little bit more support yeah there's a lot you know there's a lot of um there's a lot going on i mean that's yeah that's a conversation we could yeah. have uh, we'll, we'll go on for another hour <laughs> we about that. but um yeah i mean so in a nutshell would you what's what's the level of uh you know, zero percent to a hundred percent in terms of your interest to go back into. I want to be into in it. my Would best again? shape again. I'm 38 now. I want to be in my best shape for 40. Okay. The best shape you've ever been. Yeah. Whether okay. I get on stage with that body or not, I okay. don't know. Whether I do a photo shoot, I mean, it's just though. a little goal I have when I turn 40. I want to Fuck be. Fuck it. Why not? Shredded in my best shape ever. Good. Um, so yeah, the drive is still there um, because there's always that drive to be. You know, how much better can I be? I've got in great shape when I was on stage, but there's always, you know, we were talking about this earlier. There's always, there's always more, always isn't more. there? Yeah. How far can we take it? And I think it's that drive. <clears throat> I think it's that drive to be in that one percent. That you know, that's why I work with the guys I work with because they're always seeking that. What can give them the edge? You know, it's a competitive world out there, especially in business. What can they do that's going to give them that one percent more and be in that? You know, that elite. Yeah level and often it's the work on their health their body their mind that will give them that edge starting from yourself rather than looking for you know always looking for something externally what's the next big thing i can try what's the next this the next that the next diet the next exercise and within business what's the next thing i could do what's the next get rich quick scheme what's the next advert i can run um you know always looking for something but when you look in the mirror and be the best, be at your very best, be in that 1%, have that, you know, be at a peak of your physical and mental conditioning, that's when you can, that's when everything else, you know, falls I, into place. I, I agree. I mean, like, you know, I have a um, obsessive commitment towards, um, you know, the, the physique I'm developing. Not, And, and here's, here's the bit that I think can be confusing for even people close to me, let alone people that don't know me, which is they... They struggle with the why, and they go, "Okay, so that's is that ego, Steve? Is it just so like you can post pictures up on Facebook and you know just feel good about yourself when you're walking on the beach?" And I can honestly say to you that when I was younger, absolutely ego would drive a lot of my decisions around you know how I dressed and how I looked and all that kind of stuff. And you know I'm 37, so we're pretty much the same age. My my interest for um acceptance and appreciation from others for how I look or how I show up or how great I am is dwindling to the point that I almost don't care. And it might sound counterintuitive because it looks like I do. And I do. I mean, I don't want to be 
out of shape and I don't want to be lower than my own expectations. But that's the key. The key for me is I want to be my best, not compared to anyone else. I want to be my best because I see my role and I think everyone's role in life is to contribute. And for me to contribute, I need to have both the energy, the confidence, the enthusiasm, the skill, the commitment, the passion to get after something that enables me to add value to others. And my expression of adding value is that I need to be tip top. Like I need everything needs to be on point. I need to be learning. I need to be able to vocalize what I've learned. I need to be, I need my body needs, needs to be thriving. I want to live to an old age, but still feel young because I want to be able to contribute knowingly with full cognition, feeling great, being an inspiration to others. And I want to dig deep and provide real value. And the only way I can do that is knowing that deep down when I ask myself the question, Steve, one, are you doing enough? And two, are you being the best you possibly can be right now? I want to be able to say I am. That's why I do what I do. Not because I want, you know, appreciation or likes or people to people to give me cred. Like, that's nice. Yeah. But I'm not doing it for that. Yeah. And it's like I say, when I was a bit younger, maybe in our twenties we had the ego. It was just getting in shape just to impress the ladies. But you get beyond, you know, you're a married man now. I'm, you know, I'm engaged. Both got kids. It's like you get beyond, you kind of almost grow out of that phase and you get into your yeah. 30s. It's like, okay, I'm not doing this for anyone else. I'm doing this, doing this for me and to make sure I'm at my best. And as you said, in order to serve and add value to others, you need to, you need to walk the walk and be doing, showing up as you would, you know, as you would want others to show up and set the standard. If you want to attract the right people into your life, whether it's clients, uh, whether it's friends, relationships, you set a high standard for yourself, you're going to attract a high standard of people into your life. Oh, hear, hear, man. Listen, I think we're going to wrap this up around about now, Ed. Um, before we do, I would I'd love for you to just help the listeners understand where they can find out more about you online, whether it be on Facebook or other platforms that you're on. So do you just want to kind of call out your kind of social plugs? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, you can get hold of me. Probably the easiest way to get hold of me is through Facebook. Um, so www.facebook.com forward slash ed.jaffa. Um, How do you spell that? Good question. Uh, <laughs> D-J-A-F-E-R. So if you just search ed. E D and then Jaffa D J A F E R. There's only one of me. I think <laughs> um, you'll find me on Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, you can go to my website www.edfit.co.uk. So that's my fitness website and my new website. Do you mind me giving this a little plug yeah, as well? Go for it, man. It's just www.edjaffa.com, which will be uh, up and running very soon. That's more my my coaching stuff. Oh, nice. Good stuff, man. Well, listen, thank you for taking the time to come see me today and, you know, just, just chat as a friend. Um, pleasure, man. We had, we had some back and forth. I think we have very similar aspects to life, but with slight different nuances. And I appreciate that. Um, I would hate for us all to be the same and look at things through exactly the same lens. And I learn and develop. So I think I've learned something today, man. I appreciate I, you kind of from you educating well, me. We can all learn, you know, it's all about being open to learning and and hanging out with like-minded individuals 
you know. And just... Now I think we need to go and get some food, man. Yeah, man. Okay. You up for that? Yeah, yeah sounds <laughs> okay. good. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. Awesome. Listen, cheers, man. Adapt Nation is all about providing you with the tools and expert knowledge to help you improve and optimize your strength, health, and mindset inside and out. Thanks, guys. Speak to you soon. If you enjoy this show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might also enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. This is Adapt Nation.